at 11.30 today. It's kind of fun because being in this business, being around sports, I know a couple of people who have go- who have started their careers and are well into their careers as officials. And they're in the Portland area, one of whom is Maggie DeWall. Maggie played softball here at Oregon State back early 2000s. And every time I run into her, the last time I saw her was a year ago at the Les Schwab Invitational that uh, she was officiating. And we always say hi and and Maggie, because I remember doing the 4A Boys and Girls Basketball Tournament at Gill Coliseum a few years ago. And there's Maggie. I'm like, Maggie, what are you doing? She goes, oh, a friend of mine said I should try this. And uh, I went in, and this was years ago. And and here I am. And she was doing boys and girls basketball Mm -hmm. and does a great job. In fact, at the Les Schwab, it was all boys. So she is a solid, does a solid job. And I saw her, when I saw her last year, it was a good five years after the first time that I saw her. And she said she's still doing it, climbing the ladder. And, um, you know, a full-on varsity boys and girls basketball official and loves it. If, as John points out, if there are listeners to the Joe Beaver show who have been or currently are working as officials in our uh, various sports and leagues in the Mid Valley, or if you have worked in the past somewhere in the state or even another part of the country, whatever the case, if you have maybe a, uh, a comment about what your experience was like, if you are one who said, hey, I couldn't, I enjoyed working for the kids and doing what I could to help, but the level of, of abuse, criticism, constant badgering, by, yeah. did that, did you just say, nope, not for me, I, I, it's not worth it. I mean, if you have any anecdotal stuff you'd like to share with us, we're hoping more, more a message of persuasion rather than dissuasion when it comes to this whole topic of officiating. But if you're honest enough to say, well, I was doing it for a lot of years, but I reached a point where I just said, yeah. no more. I can't. I, it's not worth it to me to be subject to it. Or are you able in that world, do you find ways as a professional to get your job done professionally, tune it out, know in your heart you're doing the absolute very best you can, using your eyes, your judgment, your intellect, using everything that God gave you and that you're involved with in that task. And if people aren't happy with you and you know you're going to miss a call here and there, you found ways to kind of tune it out and keep on working. Is there a secret to that? Uh, If you have any thoughts about just the whole craft and art of officiating, even if you haven't yourself experienced it, but your observations as fans through the years when it comes to officiating, we are all very quick Jack Fulliard, who will join us at 11.30, will say, yeah, I know, fans at Reeser were, were quick. <laughs> Broadcasters at Reeser were occasionally quicker. They can't to, hear you up to, there, though. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, to, to criticize and question and bemoan and yell even, gripe. Or how, that's a terrible call. I've said that too many times <laughs> in my life to remember. And so I, I feel somewhat sheepish even engaging in a conversation with an official who when I do off the off the air off the court in airports hotel lobbies at Pac-12 tournaments when we're all kind of waiting sometimes for the next game there are people that I've known through this league in my 22nd year in in basketball where you you're close up you're right there the officials come to the table I mean I miss that one of the things I've missed this year amongst many things but just a small thing Officials that I've known, and you know Tony Padilla, Mike Reed, uh, others come over before the game, shake hands, mm-hmm. ask how you're doing, good to see you again, glad you got another year in you. And yeah. Mike Reed pointed out to me 
before we uh, before a game a few years ago, and when a whole, the season was starting, Mike Reed came up to me and said, "Well, you and me keep getting older, but they never do." <laughs> and he pointed to the Beaver bench because yeah. it, they cycle through, yeah. and they're always eighteen to twenty-two forever. World without end, amen. Yeah. Well, we add another year the bench days they're all 18 to 22 forever i know it's the weirdest thing but but it's fun because uh that's so true about you know you get to know them and like them i i don't well i gotta get the phone but i i it's fun you've never been real critical and i uh, he hung up or she hung up whatever the case we're working together we have a so for those of you who do uh, indulge us with a call, and we appreciate it when you do, and would love to hear from you at four nine seven fifty three fifty six. There are times when we're finishing a thought. Yeah, let it ring a little bit. I'll, so I'll grab it. Feel free to jump in. We'd love to hear from you, Jack. No, I, uh, at eleven thirty. I used to be that way. I was until I was about twenty, and very passionate, and would just go crazy. And I don't even remember what it was if I saw someone or something, and I just thought to my, it just a, something happened. And said, stop. Yeah. You're not affecting it. It's not, they're not going to change it. You're going to die of a heart attack and you look like an idiot. <laughs> yes, you do. And, and you sound and, like one and look like yeah. one and feel like one. And then, and then as I get older, and this isn't even, honestly, I have, I'm a hothead. If I was an official, I, w- I would want to fight everybody. <laughs> I'm not Mr. Soft and, yeah. and everything. But I will say they're just people trying their best, right, right. especially at the lower levels. Now, at the higher levels... I I I tell you what makes me mad at officials if I feel they're being, they're doing it on purpose like LSU World Series if I feel like it they're trying to get you and it's an yeah. attitude thing then yeah. I go crazy but if it's just a person making a call let's take some calls on this if you have any thoughts four nine seven five three five six open phones if you have any anecdotal experience or recommendations or even advice to those who may think about. Yeah, I'm thinking about taking the plunge into this whole officiating thing, particularly out of need, because you'd like to help the youngsters in need, but maybe you're just a little fearful of the abuse of the idiots like yours truly and others who won't let something go. I feel bad about any contribution to an atmosphere that would perhaps dissuade people from getting into a very important profession. Let's get a couple of calls in here. I think Chuck is up first on the Dow. I'm not sure. It's hard to hear. Phone line. Good morning, sir. Who is this? This is Kelly. Hey, Kelly. Good morning. What are your thoughts, sir? Yeah, you know, getting to the referee thing. I refereed for Lane County for uh, almost 10 years for basketball. A very rewarding experience. Good. It's 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 just something you you become part of the game, part of the crowd, part of the people. And all, it's like I say, you, it's it's one of those things you have to do to really realize how rewarding it really is. Did you retire out of it? No, I bought a business, so I couldn't I couldn't have the time to spend like I needed to. What uh, sports, uh, Kelly? What sports did you work? Just basketball. Just basketball. Okay. And how did you deal? We went went all the way from Florence to uh, Oak Ridge to McKenzie. I mean, we went all over the place. Did you deal? Did you do okay, Kelly? Did you have the constitution of soul and so on to not let any sort of jeering from coaches or fans get to you? Or did it get to you? Was that difficult to deal with? Uh, I think I was, when I first began, it was, I was kind of thin skinned, but when I first started, I was doing a middle school. When they, before kids sports took over all that, mm-hmm. 
And so we always had the middle school between Eugene Springfield and a lot of time old gyms, small, where you had the chairs around the floor. And, uh, you know, one, one thing I always do the years, especially those settings, how come more kids didn't get hurt? Yeah, yeah. You know? Hey, Kelly, what would, you, like, wow. what would you say then to somebody who might be thinking about doing this? Would you highly recommend it as, a, as an experience? To, for, for what reasons would you recommend it? Uh, for the love of the game, for the love of the people, you know? Yeah. Basketball is my favorite sport. I mean, I love all the sports, but basketball, especially I could say, once you play it, rep it, coach it, it's just, you know, you, you're just part of that team. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, that's well said, well, Kelly. All right, well, thanks for your time. Thank guys. you, hey, sir. Enjoy the calls. John, are you going to be doing the baseball again this weekend? If if there's basketball, uh, yeah, if there's basketball. And I think there's going to be some basketball. I think the Beavers are going to win on Thursday, Kelly. I really do. <laughs> thanks for the call. Would that be a blessing? Yeah, it would be. It would be a, a great thing. Thanks for the call, Kelly. Let's go to Mike in Seattle on the Downward Dog phone line. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, you guys. How are you? Good. Thank you. Good. I did high school basketball up here in Seattle, and I found it very rewarding. I'll tell the audience and I'll tell anybody that is a, is a lover of, um, of school sports, I don't know about college sports, is that it will change you if you become an umpire and or an official in any of these sports because, because you start seeing the game then through the eyes of the official. Mm-hmm. And you, you kind of quit watching the ball, and you watch off ball a lot more in basketball and in football, and then you start to understand the mechanics, and it gives you, I'll say, a better perspective of what's going on on the floor. And probably the most rewarding time was um, in the early season. Uh, in winter is when they had a lot of the little girls' games in junior high, and so those games cannot be played without officials. And so if there aren't officials stepping up, and I'll say ex-high school players are perfect candidates, both mm-hmm. boys and girls, to get involved and can get some exercise and make some money and kind of give back to the sport. And um, if there's not officials, there's not going to be games. And so, you know, we have to repopulate and we have to refund those kinds of things or else there's not going to be games. At an Oregon State baseball game, if those umpires don't show up, guess what? The game won't be played. Right, right. Hey, Mike, so, yeah. It, yeah. How, how, how long did you do it? Well, I started in about 2002-ish because my son was playing rec league basketball, AAU basketball, and I noticed that um, I thought I could do better than those officials on the court. <laughs> and so, uh, because that's kind of my personality a little bit, and I kind of said, uh, I'm going to get involved in this, and I got a hold of the local association so that Jack Bulliard will give you the, you know, there's probably uh, there's probably 25 associations around the state of Oregon and, and in Washington, and they, they recruit you, and then you go sign up, and they'll have clinics, and they'll kind of walk through mechanics, and uh, I found a rare warning, got good exercise, there's a whole group of guys and gals, you know, that are great people to hang out with. And um, there are people who are moving up now to the varsity level, I'll say very quickly, because they're playing three-man, because there's, there's three-man kind of officials now. Back in, back in my day, it was two-man, and I got up to the varsity level, 
And I found myself at some really big games, you know, where I had to go up a little bit and say, uh, I don't know if I'm ready for this, but I can't walk away now. Did you, uh, what sports did you do? I did, um, I did some youth baseball, but then I did the, did the basketball in the associations. Because I'd go to baseball games, and my son was playing some Little League and Babe Ruth and that kind of stuff, and the umpires wouldn't show up. Wow. So I had my gear in the trunk <laughs> and a cup and a cup. Yeah. And I would, I would go put the gear on so that the game could be played. And, um, uh, and, and so I, so I think of the high school players, you know, that are a couple years out of school now, they're the ones in, in all sports who, who that need to get involved. And I think they'll find there's a great networking. There's, uh, there's some interning opportunities and jobs, uh, and all kinds of things. So I'm, I'm a big believer. And I, I got out of it, uh, in about 06 because my son, um, he was playing high school football, and you have to start in the early fall and winter because there's rec league and there's men's rec league, and and those those games all need officials. And so I couldn't, if I was doing that, I couldn't go to games. And um, as you're talking about it now, I might get back into it because <laughs> good. It's a good, you know, it's a good way to do it. So I'm a big supporter. Great. Great to talk to you, Mike. Thanks for the call. Let's take a break. Jack Fullard will join us at 1130, so we want to take care of a couple of bits of business before then. So a break now, quick segment, break again, and then come back with Jack, the director of the Oregon Athletic Officials Association, and a guy who grew up in Lake Oswego, began to work in 1982 in the Pac-10. Back with more after this on 1240 Joe Radio. Locally owned and operated for over 30 years, Corvallis Floor Covering would like to thank their many friends and customers for your continued support and looks forward to working with you on your next remodeling project. Stop by and see Wendy, Robin, or Brian and check out their large showroom with a wide variety of carpet, vinyl, laminate, tile, wood floorings, and window coverings from all the popular brands. Corvallis Floor Covering is at the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local, shop Corvallis Floor Covering, and go beef. Your local Qdoba Mexican Eats plays an important role in serving our communities and will continue to provide access to freshly prepared food during this challenging time. While dining rooms are temporarily closed, all of your local Qdoba locations in Salem, Corvallis, Eugene, and throughout Oregon are ready to serve you with their same great flavors, making sure to take all safety precautions out of concern for their dedicated workers and valued customers. For quick and easy takeout ordering, call ahead to your locally owned and operated Qdoba Mexican Eats for curbside pickup. You can also use the app or order online at Qdoba.com. If your RV or trailer is sitting in storage or out in the rain this winter, let Guarantee pay you cash for your rig. Cash for campers means no more storage and no more worries. My name is Bo and I live in Cottage Grove. Cash for campers put over $10,000 in my pocket. We were waiting until summer to sell our trailer, but Guarantee gave us cash right now. Guarantee will give you $500 if we can't beat any Oregon dealer's written offer on your late model RV in good condition. My name is Jessica and I live in Springfield. Thanks to Guarantee, we no longer have a monthly storage bill 
Nashville, and we have more than enough money to remodel our kitchen. Trailers, fifth wheels, toy haulers, motorhomes, they all qualify for Cash for Campers. I'm Paul. Uh, we have been stuck at home for about nine months now. Guarantee made it really easy for us. No hassles. They came and picked up our fifth wheel at our house and delivered our check. Text RV for me to 55678 for special offers or visit Guarantee.com. That's RV, the number four, me to 55678. Guarantee RV is here to help you put cash in your pocket. Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. Financial investments are very important, but so are the investments of time, patience, and encouragement our young athletes receive from their coaches, teachers, and mentors. That's why Edward Jones is a proud sponsor of Oregon State and area high school sports. Call me, Tim Ewis, at 541-758-8245 or stop by my office in the Timber Hill Shopping Complex in Corvallis for all of your investment needs. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Go Beavs. We will be coming back in just a moment with uh, Jack Fulliard. And while the upshot of the conversation, and we'll start and end with Jack getting a message out, the shortage of officials for games in all sports, I don't think they're running an ad here. Uh, there's Do, a PSA running. Is it a have. PSA? Yeah. I'm glad that's a PSA. I heard it on Rip City Radio, NBC Sports Northwest, 620 Rip City Radio. Yeah, the OSA I get it put all it in. out. It's a PSA. Yeah. Good. Because I... It, but it, there was a, a message pleading, almost, mm-hmm. in a sense, of the need for officials and in the following sports, and it sounded like every sport. Yeah, that's the other thing. We're My brain, as we talk about this, things football and basketball. Umpires. Umpires needed uh, volleyball. I wouldn't know how to officiate a volleyball game, but volleyball needs it. All the sports, yeah. an official in every sport. And with so many sports going on right now, I mean, I think Jack will lay out the challenges and, you know, whether – whether training to get ready to be one, you know, yeah. what do you, do you have a, you know, a 24 hour period? Now here, here are the basics. Now go man. From go. what Maggie told go, me, woman, go. yes, here you it's go. like a few things and then put you in yeah, like I mean, junior I, high. We'll talk to Jack a little bit about that. Yeah. I do remember too, that, that it seemed to be that uh little, uh, what do you call it? Youth league for me, it was the YMCA when I was like in third and fourth grade, the high school kids always were, yes. the, were the refs. As Mike said, the perfect. Yeah. I rem- I've got old mm-hmm. home movies of my little brothers playing basketball and there's a buddy of mine from my class. Sure. And we have, I've been summoned out of the stands to officiate games in that context when mm-hmm. there wasn't one. Parker, can you do Yeah. Yeah. I'll do it. Sure. And, yeah. and so I've done quite a few like that and umpire games as well, but even then, even then, when you're doing everybody a favor, walking in out of yeah. the stands, you're still they're still ripped to it. on. They're you. still idiots broadcasting games, telling you that you're not <laughs> doing a good job. Let's take a break and come back with Jack Fulliard next on 1240 Joe Radio. Everyone has an Uncle Fester in their life, that person who is nearly impossible to please. Well, take them to Woodstock's Pizza and they'll find exactly what they're looking for. Because Woodstock's Pizza is pizza for all, with over 35 fresh toppings to choose from, six different sauces, four different crust options, including cauliflower and gluten-free. Plus, vegan and dairy-free options, Woodstock's Pizza really is pizza for all. Woodstock's Pizza. They'll even please Uncle Fester on King's Boulevard in Corvallis. For auto glass solutions, better call the glass man. Call 541 541- 
1-800-760-2277. Call the Glassman. Hi, this is Jake the Glassman. Come see me at my new location at 3335 Ferry Street Southwest in Albany, or give me a call. For auto glass solutions, better call the Glassman. Call 541-760-2277. Call the Glassman. Middleton Heating has been here helping you for over 71 years, 24 hours a day. Middleton can repair, replace, or maintain all types of heating and cooling equipment. Heating unit troubling you? Need repairs or replacement? Give Middleton Heating a call. For new equipment, Middleton offers several financing options and participates in state, federal, and manufacturer incentive programs. Don't forget Middleton's custom sheet metal shop is still taking orders, large or small. You can count on Middleton for all your heating, cooling, and sheet metal needs online at Middleton Heating. We set them up, you knock them down. Bowl is now open daily from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., offering limited recreational bowling, lottery games, and food to go. Reservations for bowling are recommended. Call 541-753-6161. That's 753-6161. Highland Bowl, North 9th Street, Corvallis. We set them up, you knock them down. We continue on the Joe Beaver Show. Mike Parker with John Warren. And a pleasure to welcome, even though it's for a reason that's a little disconcerting, to welcome our next guest in for the purpose of the message that we think is vitally important to share, and Jack will share it. But it's a pleasure to welcome uh, a gentleman that I've seen through the years at many a Pac-10-12 football game. He began to officiate in the Pac-10 in 1982 after beginning in the Portland metro area in Lake Oswego, where he grew up, his first youth game in hoops in 1969, and got to the Pac-10 in 1982. I believe I read somewhere that Jack worked one game in the National Football League. Therein hangs a tale, perhaps, in the season of uh, 2001. But he worked so well in his craft through the years at the state of Oregon, the States of Oregon Hall of Fame inducted him, made him a Hall of Famer in 2015. He's now the director of the Oregon Athletic Officials Association and has been occupied in that role for quite a few years. So it's a pleasure to welcome all of with all of that to get an important message out. But Jack Foyer joins us on the Joe Beaver Show. Jack, good morning. Thanks for taking time for us. How are you today? Well, good morning, Mike. I appreciate the opportunity to talk officiating, and uh, strange times, that's for sure. Uh, but yeah, I, I appreciate this opportunity. Yeah, and Jack, thank you. Let's start with it. There are some things about your distinguished career we'd like to talk about a little bit, too. But first and foremost, the message that we've been hearing, John's been talking about it on his morning show locally. I hear the public service announcements on sports radio in Portland. There's a dire need right now. Jack, could you lay that out for us and tell us what the need is and maybe what people throughout uh, the state, and particularly here in the Mid-Valley, can maybe do to help? Sure, I'd be glad to. Um, actually, going into this unusual year, uh, we have seen a steady decline in the number of high school officials in all sports throughout the state, um, basically a fairly large percentage from, say, 10 years ago. Um we do a lot of different reasons, but uh, going into this pandemic here, of course, it's hit us really, really hard. Uh, for example, in, in football, we're down uh, 20% of the number of officials. Uh, in volleyball, we're down, golly, we're probably down 35%. Uh, 
and soccer, these are the three sports that are on point now, are down at least 25% of the officials that we had last year, and last year was even lower than the previous year. So uh, a lot of reasons, I think, and primarily the big decrease this year has to be directly related to the pandemic, uh, perhaps somewhat understandable. So, so the problems that creates is we're having a hard time covering the games that the schools want to play, and we desperately want to cover them because we want the kids to play. Uh, and we're working real closely with our athletic directors and sometimes having to reschedule the game times to be able to meet the uh, availability of officials. Jack, is there is the the decision a few years ago to go to three officials for basketball and in danger of being reversed just because you can't find that many on a Friday night or a Tuesday night? You know, I don't think so. Uh, I hope not. Now, that's typically at the varsity level only. Uh, we still work two person mechanics at the uh, uh, sub-varsity level. Uh, that would be a big step backwards, and our, our associations are doing everything they can to get the games covered in cooperation, as I said, with athletic directors. And maybe they have to move their Tuesday game to a Wednesday or their Friday game to a Saturday. But we really don't want to get to that point because it, it takes away a lot from the, the game itself. Three-person mechanics, as you know, is at all levels. And, uh, and we've had this, I think, Mike, probably for five, six, seven, eight years now, uh, totally three-person mechanics. So that's not something that we want to do. Yeah, it, it, so then the next question I have is you, you mentioned for different reasons the numbers are down. We, we had two callers just in the first half hour of our show who extolled the great virtues of being a high school official and giving back and staying in shape and having fun and, and doing all that. For any of the reasons that a lot of people might have reservations, are there, are there checks and balances in place? For example, if someone says, well, I, I don't want to take the abuse, would there be something you could say, well, okay, but we have rules in place that if anybody gets even slightly out of line, they're gone. That would make someone feel a little bit better about entering into um, the craft. Yeah, normally uh, the rules, uh, as everyone knows, based upon the sport, have ways to take care of, uh, of uh, players and coaches and, and uh, in some cases uh, fans. Uh, and there's always going to be a little bit of abuse it, 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 the word abuse is maybe they're on the wrong word, disagreement. I mean, when we make a call, one team suffers, the other team gains, and that's just the nature of sports. But we do have rules that can cover that. And also, we teach young officials how to handle those kinds of situations. There's quite a bit of training that goes on before you even have first, even first time you go walk on a basketball court or a football field or a soccer pitch. And the veterans will take the young, young officials under their arms work with them, uh, and, and teach them how to handle and defuse situations because really we're dealing with people-to-people relationships. And there's certain techniques that you can't read, read in a rule book, but you can learn on kind of the on-the-job training type thing. To, uh, but it's a factor, and, and there are folks that uh, may not want to be uh, taken to task uh, in any, any part of their life, particularly when it's in front of people. But... Uh, like I say, we we can teach you how to how to handle it. State of Oregon Hall of Fame official Jack Fullier joining us on the Joe Beaver Show. Jack, you've talked about training. We have training. We teach young officials. In the current crisis of numbers, is there officials on the fields and the pitches and the courts to 
to get officials on the fields and the pitches and the courts to to cover the games. What does the training look like now? Is it a little different and less intensive than it might be, quote, in normal times? Yeah, good point. I'm not sure it would be less intensive. Yes, is it accelerated by necessity? It is. That can be a good thing. Uh, officials that just start out and, and like it and, and have an aptitude for officiating because of the shortage, they're going to get, uh, they're going to accelerate their schedules. They're going to get bigger and better games, maybe more quickly than uh, years ago. And, and that's, to me, that's a good thing because young official will start out obviously at the freshman JV level. But if they can work their way up and they're good enough to get to the varsity level uh, rapidly, that's good. And because of the lack of numbers, that that might happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I kind of view that as a good thing, not a not a desirable thing, but right. kind of the uh, both sides of the coin type situation. Mike Parker and John Warren visiting with uh, Jack Fulyard about the the dire need for officials in all sports, and that's what it sounds like, Jack. I mean, it sounds as though, based on the public service announcements I'm hearing on Portland Sports Radio and in this market, all it seems like the announcer is it. We need officials in the following sports, and it's a pretty long list, right? Yeah, we uh, we our organization uh, works with the seven sports: football, volleyball, soccer wrestling, basketball, baseball, and softball. And uh, it, it's across the board. And by the way, this is not just an Oregon problem. This is nationwide. Mm-hmm. The shortage of officials not only going into the pandemic, but now that the pandemic is, is with us and hopefully getting getting better. Uh, but I tell you, uh, my personal experience and those of others, uh, once you get into it, you kind of get hooked. You like it. There's tons of camaraderie. You're contributing back to allowing the kids to play keeping in shape, and you're making some money. Not huge money, but you're making making some money. Jack, before, if there's people listening now who, as time goes and they have to get out of their car or whatever it is they're doing, we want to close in a few minutes with this message again. But anybody listening right now that perhaps is having his or her interest peaked, what should they do? What, who should they reach out to? What's the easiest way? The, the easiest way is there's a simple website, www.new.com. Uh, officials.org, newofficials.org, all one word. And you tap into that website, it asks for your name, location, the sport you're interested in, it shoots an email to the leader of that particular location and association, uh, and then that leader, which we, whom we call commissioners, will contact you and get you all set up, get you on a training program and start assigning the games. Do you feel, uh, since the PSA went out, uh, any 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 activity on that, or is it too soon to tell? It, it is too soon to tell. Uh, you know, we track registrations through the OSAA. You have to be a registered official through the Oregon Schools Activities Association, and we can track that. Uh, and in fact, I shot you guys some numbers that you can use later if you'd like uh, via email. Um, but again, it's not it's not a, a dynamic tracking. It's kind of an anecdotal anecdotal tracking. Uh, but I can't help but think that uh, the help that we've gotten from the media, just the general word that's out there, that these games aren't going to get played unless they're officials, yeah. uh, is stirring some interest up. 
Jack, what drew you in? There, there are some things that John and I, and John grew up in Lake Oswego, went to Lake Oswego High School, but w- what drew you in? I read about you in a bio in your Hall of Fame bio that 1969, you did a youth basketball game yeah. and were hooked for life. But tell us a little bit about your own story and, and where you rose to the, the Pac-10 by 1982 and worked a game in the NFL. So you got into it just one time, did a youth game, and take us from there if you would. Sure. Actually, I was a senior at college, went to Wilson Clark, and I, I read an article in the paper. They're looking for basketball officials. And I thought that'd be a good way to pick up some extra bucks. It wasn't a lot back then. I think we got $5 for a freshman game. But I uh, went down to the meeting, and I thought I was too young. I think I was 19 at the time, maybe 20. They said, No, no, you don't have to be 21 to be a referee. And uh, they, they got me into the program, and Golly, this is kind of weird, but I made five bucks a game in those days. Uh, fill up your Volkswagen for two dollars, buy a six pack for two dollars, and you got a buck left over. <laughs> so that kind of that kind of got me into it. And then uh, I worked in the telephone company for a couple of years, and then decided to go to law school. I went to law school. That's when I also picked up football. So I was actually working basketball and football when I was going to school because you do have time when you're going to school between classes. I just got hooked. And I'd have to say this, that I have lifelong friends up and down the West Coast and here in Portland that I would not have otherwise had but for officiating. Did you um, did you know anybody and work with anybody who went on to huge things? I mean, you yourself did. Did you, like, were you friends and colleagues with, like, any NBA officials or Major League Baseball umpires? Yeah, you know, we, uh, we had, uh, I think, four NFL officials full-time out of Oregon. And uh, John Oliver, Terry Durkee, and, and Nate Jones, and then one of the fellows who was on my uh, collegiate Pac-12 crews uh, for a long time is now working in the NFL, Aaron Sante, out of Medford area, on the football side of things. And uh, uh, I know we do have two baseball umpires, as you know, that I think both are retired here locally that work in MLB. And that's the one thing about officiating is you can, if you're dedicated and you're good at it and you like it. You can make a career out of it. I mean, you can you can actually make a living off of a professional officiating. You, though, maintained a career. You went to law school. You were a trial lawyer, maybe still. I don't, Jack, I don't know what you're doing with respect to that now, but you were a trial lawyer throughout your run in the Pac-10, Pac-12. Is that correct? Right. I represented yeah. doctors in hospitals, always on the doctor and nurse hospital side in the courtroom. But I've been retired from the active practice of law now for many, many years and uh, then got involved with the OSAA and, and started and developed the Oregon Athletic Officials Association. We're kind of the representative training arm for high school officials in the state. How long ago was that? We started OLA about 15 years ago. I think. Okay. Uh, we, Oregon had always had an athletic directors association and a coaches association, but we never had an officials association. So. Tom Welter at the time was the OSA director, and uh, he's always wanted that third leg to the stool to make things work well. And came to me when he heard I was retired and said, Did you think about starting something like this up? And it was a perfect transition for me. Was it a juggle? How did you manage um, being a trial lawyer and then all the travel and all the demands it takes to be a Pac 10 official? That that was somewhat problematic because we usually, we usually have to leave like Friday morning or Friday noon. 
uh, to go Arizona or, or, or Cal or, you know, up and down the West Coast. And I always was nervous if I was in trial. Uh, most of the cases that I the trial would take two or three weeks to try, that I would get stuck somehow. Mm-hmm. But I lucked out, and I'd always tell the judge ahead of time that I'd got to go take a plane to, you know, to uh, Seattle or whatever <laughs> on Friday, and they always seem to be able to accommodate it. Hmm. Um, uh, or the trial ended on Thursday. So I, I, I was very lucky because, <laughs> but for that, it had been a problem. Did you ever have any comedic situations where a trial judge just, I, I didn't like that call you made last <laughs> week and anything? Because that's an interesting, those are two high-level. potential juror. Yeah, right? right, a potential juror. Those are two well, high-level things. It's funny It's funny that you ask that because the one time where I was really sweating was I was trying to case down the Clown Falls. And uh, uh, it was supposed to end like on a Wednesday, but it kept dragging on. And, and I had a, I had to be in Pullman. Actually, we stay in Spokane and drive down, but I had to be in Pullman for a WSU game that weekend. And I kept telling the trial judge that, uh, that I really needed to leave at least by noon on Friday because it's hard to get from Clama Falls to Pullman, uh, you know, by, by fl- airfare or by, by flight. He said, he kept saying, well, this is a courtroom. This is, I can't hold this jury over. You just have to deal with it. And I said, he's nervous and nervous and nervous. Long story short, it comes Friday morning, and I said, i got to go. i got to go. And he finally said, okay, I'll stop the trial at noon and send the jury home. And I said, thank you very much. And he said, by the way, my son is the kicker on the Washington State game. Make sure you take care of him. <laughs> so he, he knew yeah. he knew all the time that he was going to let me get up there and not have a problem. He knew it. He just dragged, dragged it out for that whole week. That's funny. Jack, last couple of things. Just w- Someday I'd love to visit with you, and we hope that you get overwhelmed with responses and, and won't have a shortage to deal with. But your own career, one last thought, and then we'll return to the mechanics of people getting involved uh, in this t- time of great need throughout the state. But just I- your career in the conference, when you look back at it, did, uh, are there moments of great pride? Did you enjoy it for the most part? Is there any any game or call or situation along the way you wish you'd handled differently? Was there a memorable personality or two that, uh-oh, we got to deal with so-and-so today? I mean, anything along those lines when you look back over your career, memorable moments working in the conference? Yeah, there, there were many. I, I was lots of been able to work 35 years uh, on the field, and actually now I'm a supervisor and I help out train and supervise, et cetera. But uh, of course, uh, the, the biggest honor I had, and, and just happened to be the right place at the right time, I guess, was to work with the crew chief on the national championship game in 2007, and that's that's my biggest thing, and I never forget it. But I'll tell you, the other game I always remember is the pick game at Oregon. I was the back judge on that game when the kid ran that uh, interception back in, at Austin Stadium, and it was as loud as I've ever heard. And, and I'll never forget that game. But I'll tell you one thing, Mike, that uh, I remember all my bad calls. I don't remember any of my good calls. There were a lot of bad calls. But I, uh, uh, I, I was really lucky to have the career that I did, and I'm hoping I can give back in the same manner as a supervisor uh, with training and evaluating and that type of thing. And Jack, you're, you're you're candid enough, honest enough to say I made bad calls. How did you handle that? Did you ever, in a quiet moment with a Mike Riley or an Erickson or Mike Lee, you know, whoever it may have been, a sense of you know, yeah, I kicked that one. We kicked it. We were wrong. 
you know, did, did you have to deal with moments like that? If you said you knew afterwards, you saw it on tape, you, that you'd maybe missed one. How did you handle that in the aftermath, so to speak? Well, yeah, there isn't a ton of opportunity during the game. Right. Because, number one, we don't know that we picked the call mm-hmm. until we see it on video more often than not. And there just isn't an opportunity to do that. But I, I remember working with Mike Riley quite a bit in the Corvallis. What a great guy. He's very much a supporter of officiating. But sometimes during a timeout, he would call Miller and say, Jack, I think maybe you might have missed that. We might take a look at it. And if Mike said that we caught a we thought we missed it. We missed it. And so if I would look at another game down the road, maybe three or four weeks later, it would say, I'd try to take the time to say, Coach, take a look at that one, and you were right. We were wrong. Hmm. And that's probably the best you can do. Yeah. We don't have a lot of time. We always rail about this. But do you ever hear of the term makeup call? <laughs> or is that like Bigfoot? It doesn't exist. All, all the time. And, you know, I laugh about it because – what I try to explain to people is that we don't have the time to think about, gee, do I have to make a makeup call? Uh, you know, what's the score? What's the circumstance? What's the play, et cetera? We don't have the time. We have to react to our calls. And remember, we are graded every single play. We're graded by our judgment, and we're graded by our positioning on the field. And if you do a makeup call, you're going to get downgraded. You get too many downgrades, and you're going to be not asked to come back the next year. You might lose a bowl assignment. So uh, I can, in good conscience, say that I've never heard of anybody ever really doing a makeup call, despite the fact that the media and the fans think we do. The other thing, too, Jack, and this is where we could spend a whole show on what what officials hear with in broadcasts and so on. When here's another one that you hear all the time. Well, the officials got to let the players decide. <laughs> You know they got to let the players make the you know make the plays and and don't don't make a call here. That type of rhetoric, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When you hear that, what do you think? Yeah, no, that's another one of these things you hear a lot, and it just kind of makes us, I don't know, kind of cringe a little bit. Um, we can't control what the players are going to do or not going to do. Our job is if they violate a rule. Our job is to assess a penalty and enforce the penalty. Uh, we try to make it there. We try to make it big as we can. Uh, that's, a, that's a matter of judgment as to what's big to me might not be big to you. But that's our job. And, and you know, let them play is not something that we even think about mm-hmm. because if they foul, they foul. Yeah. And that's not on us. That's on them. Yeah, and there was a pass interference call, if I'm not mistaken, in your the national championship game that was controversial. Am I remembering it correctly? Florida, Ohio State, was that your game? Late? It was. Yeah. I don't remember. It's been a long time. I yeah. really don't remember a controversial pass interference call in that game. There may have been. Okay. Uh, I think in any big game, uh, there's always a quote-unquote controversial call. And I'll, and I'll take a dig at the media. Media creates controversial calls. <laughs> how they report it, yes. how they write it. Yeah, and and we don't create controversial calls. The media creates the controversial ah, calls. Okay, and that's your job, and I understand that. <laughs> that's but, fair. But to be fair, yeah. and, and, and that's kind of the way the way we view it. Yeah. Do we make incorrect calls? Yes. So by the way, just as an aside, there's not such a thing as a bad call. 
They're incorrect calls. It's not bad call. <laughs> I like it. Okay. Next time I think I saw an incorrect one, I'll try to use that language, <laughs> Jack. Here, here's the final thing. Yeah, you, <laughs> and let's you get. Can say, Mike, you yeah. can say that's going to be a controversial <laughs> incorrect one. <laughs> Thank you for giving me my uh, rhetorical lines to follow <laughs> henceforth. Jack, final thing. We really appreciate your time. And someday I hope we can spend more time on personalities and interaction and game and memorable moments. But the upshot of our conversation today, let's close again with it if people are just tuning in to the back end of the conversation. We're having you on because there's a call statewide for officials in all seven of your sports. So if you could reiterate how important the need is now and how people could get involved, please. You bet. Um, the, the second part is the easiest part. www.newofficials.org. Simple website. That's how you can get connected to become an official. The need is apparent. Without officials, you know, our adage is without officials, it's only recess. And even in this year, it's even more important because of the pandemic that the kids aren't going to be able to play unless we have enough officials to cover their game. Jack, thank you so Thanks, much Jack. for your time. I uh, hope that you get response from this area and from all the, the markets around the state that you're sharing the message in. We certainly uh, hope that this type of thing, as small as it might be, helps and that all of the time you're making available to us in this profession will help get the word out. Thanks for taking time for us, Jack. We really appreciate it. Well, you're welcome. Anytime. Thanks, Jack. Jack Fulyard, State of Oregon Sports Hall of Fame official and a guy that grew up in our state, grew up in Lake Oswego and worked the. I, the reason I asked him about Florida, Ohio State, because I thought Skip Bayless forever was talking about the luck eyes after that, wasn't he? Mm, yeah, that the luck eye, he kept caught, wasn't that? I thought there was a pass interference call that kept a Buckeye drive alive or something. Am I thinking of the right game? It might have been well, another I year when they read were the luck eyes. I don't remember at all. I thought you read that. No, I wasn't reading it. I was just trying no. to remember why Good. Bayless called Ohio State the luck eyes. Can anybody supply that need? That's the most important thing out of the conversation with Jack, right? Were they the Luckeyes or the Buckeyes? No, that's not it. But he did work a national championship game, as Very he said, impressive. the peak of his career. Let's break. Come back. 497-5356. Ted Robinson and Mark Barnard next hour, 1240 Joe Radio. Hi, this is Dave from Tom Water. WSU Press, yep, that's the Cougs, has just published my latest book, Lewis and Clark Reframed. In Lewis and Clark Reframed, we will examine how the famous American expedition was influenced by the British explorers, James Cook, George Vancouver, and Alexander Mackenzie, all of whom preceded Lewis and Clark to the Pacific Northwest. Order Lewis and Clark Reframed from WSU Press, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookstore. Hey, Beaver Nation, this is Mike Parker. I want to talk about my experience at the Barbers in Corvallis. Rachel at the Barbers has been cutting what hair I have for many years. Not only do I get a great haircut, but also a hot leather neck shave, a shampoo and scalp massage, a soothing neck and shoulder massage, free popcorn and soda, a TV at every station to watch all the games. Discover for yourself why over 2,000 guys a month go to the Barbers. Check them out on 9th Street in Corvallis, the Barbers, where I go and guys go for great cuts. Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. Financial investments are very important, but so are the investments of time, patience, and encouragement our young athletes receive from their coaches, teachers, and mentors. That's why Edward Jones is a proud sponsor of Oregon State and area high school sports. Call me, Tim Ewis, at 541 758 
1-800-242-8245 or stop by my office in the Timber Hill Shopping Complex in Corvallis for all of your investment needs. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. You know, there's, Beeves. there's so many questions that uh, we A could million. have asked. I mean, he's probably got so many great stories of interactions with coaches, running into coaches at the airport after the game. Years later. Oh, man. I mean, think about it. That's a long career, 69 to 2000, whenever he stopped. Well, he got into the conference in 82, but yeah. I, you know, I think he, and he's still now involved as a supervisor of our official. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean... We needed. We could spend a whole hour or two <laughs> yeah. with him about moments and call. And he'd be great at a cocktail party. There's that's for sure. You know, one of the two. I think he was the white hat in one of the more controversial finishes. When you look up Jack Fulliard in Pac-12 officiating, just do a quick Google search. One of the games that comes up, there's an interesting photograph of Jack conversing with Gary Anderson, then the head coach of Wisconsin, on what appeared to be and even Larry Scott apologized uh-huh. personally to Gary Anderson, the head coach of Wisconsin, for a call in Tempe at Arizona State when, you remember, oh, they yeah. let the clock run out right. and didn't allow the, the Sun right. Devils to line up and kick their 31-yard field goal to win the game in Tempe. Not to say right. the guy, he might miss it, but it was a one-point game. And there were some mechanical issues and interesting issues that affected the end of that game. And I remember one of the things then I thought Anderson and Wisconsin got hosed by the call. Right. And I always admired Gary for not making that big of a deal out of it. I did. But that's something I'd like to ask Jack about someday. But today wasn't the day. Ted Robinson next. Okay, please. Here's the microphone. Is this thing on? This is KEJO Corvallis. Everybody hear me? We're on in five. And QID. 1240 Joe Radio. I'm Jim Chesko with Your Money Now. A powerful rally by tech shares has stocks broadly and sharply higher today. The S&P 500 is up 75 points. The Dow Jones Industrial is up 233. That tech-heavy Nasdaq up more than 510 points, 4.1%. Chipotle says the launch of its long-awaited quesadillas will happen Thursday. Available to order online, the company says it'll be the first customizable entree to come to the menu since Chipotle launched salads 17 years ago. Meanwhile, an analyst at Goldman Sachs has made positive comments on the chain's stock, repeating his buy rating, also helping Chipotle shares soar six and a quarter percent today. Things are looking up for the domestic movie box office in recent months. Ticket sales have been accelerating, a sign that moviegoers are ready to return to theaters. Encouraged by the trend, some studios have moved up release dates. Over the weekend, ticket sales reached an estimated $24 million, the best showing since the pandemic began. Over the weekend, 45% of all North American theaters were open. That's your money now. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino, and believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-469-7272. That's 800-469-7272. 800-469-7272. Or go to SelectQuote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not a- Hi, this is Dave from Tom Water. WSU Press, yep, that's the Cougs, has just published my latest book, Lewis and Clark Reframed. 
In Lewis and Clark Reframed, we will examine how the famous American expedition was influenced by the British explorers, James Cook, George Vancouver, and Alexander Mackenzie, all of whom preceded Lewis and Clark to the Pacific Northwest. Order Lewis and Clark Reframed from WSU Press, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookstore. Hey, Beaver Nation, this is Mike Parker. I want to talk about my experience at the Barbers in Corvallis. Rachel at the Barbers has been cutting what hair I have for many years. Not only do I get a great haircut, but also a hot leather neck shave, a shampoo and scalp massage, a soothing neck and shoulder massage, free popcorn and soda, a TV at every station to watch all the games. Discover for yourself why over 2,000 guys a month go to the Barbers. Check them out on 9th Street in Corvallis, the Barbers, where I go and guys go for great cuts. Hi, I'm Dennis Overs, the Golf Guru, here with another Golf Minute to make sure you're aimed at your target. As you approach your ball, set the middle of your right foot perpendicular to the target line and even with the back edge of the ball. Then standing erect, set your left-hand grip. Place the club on the ground behind the ball. The shaft should line up with your left forearm with the club face looking open, but don't change it. Now add your right hand to the club and bring your left foot even with your right foot. Notice now that your hips and shoulders are parallel to each other. Swivel your head and fix your eyes on the target and spread your feet into your regular stance. When you look back down at your ball, your club still will look open. Again, don't change it. That's the adjustment you need to make with the offset created by the toe of the club sitting up at address. So remember, to hit your target, do the hokey pokey. Start with your right foot in first. For the Golf Minute, I'm Dennis Silvers, and that's what it's all about. What's in store this week at Staples? A big deal on ink. That's kind of a big deal. Staples has the technology, furniture, and supplies you need for a totally productive workspace. And right now, you can earn 25% back in Staples rewards when you spend $75 on ink or $175 on toner. Shop in-store or get same-day delivery powered by Instacart. Ends 3-13-21. Limit four in-store and on Instacart only. Visit staplesconnect.com slash ink rewards for details. Instacart delivery subject to availability. Additional fees may apply. Switch to T-Mobile for Business and get up to 90 days of service free via virtual rebate on your business plan. You get a great deal, the largest 5G network, and first-class benefits like Microsoft 365 on us. It's better for business and only with T-Mobile for Business. Limited time offer. Stop in-store for details. Plus taxes and fees for some plans. Virtual Express MasterCard within eight weeks of receipt of valid submission. Complete port within 60 days. See T-Mobile.com for 5G devices, coverage, and plan details. They're coming from everywhere. He's a big, great deal of traffic here for Country Road, it's safe. Corvallis, Oregon. To see the total eclipse of the sun. Hard to tell the nighttime from the day. I'm talking about the sky, McIntyre. Mike McIntyre and the Buffaloes are coming, amongst many others. He's a big, great deal of traffic here for Country Road, it's safe. Sight worth seeing. I know how you must feel. Yes, but not everyone's on board. And look at that sky. You look at it. But for everyone else, excitement is sky high for life in Corvallis. Sky star is amazing. There seems to be a lot happening in it all the time. If it's happening, you'll hear about it on the Joe Beaver Show. I'm expecting something special from there. Keep your eyes skinned. I want reports. Oh, you'll get reports all right. The best reports on the Joe Beaver Show with John Warren and Mike Parker. Nothing I can say. Total eclipse of the heart. And away we go with the Joe Beaver Show. 
1240 Joe Radio. That open originally had Gary Anderson saying, you know, we, we washed Gary out of that open yeah. in order to keep using it for historical purposes. But that was the 2017 open for the Joe Beaver show. And you had Gary saying, so we played uh, Total Clips of the Heart and away we go. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You remember that? Yeah, because it because says they, revised on the Right, it's revised the because they, after <laughs> Gary walked away, one of the, the many storylines of many that Ted Robinson knows well has <laughs> followed and worked in his long run in our conference. And uh, Ted Robinson, who will be calling the Pac-12 tournament, Beginning tomorrow, he'll have uh, the Utah-Washington game up first, working with Bill Walton, and then have Stanford and Cal. And our game, uh, the Beavers game against UCLA, will be called by Roxy and Don McClain. But Ted's will be ready to go because I expect he'll have the next game after that, which will feature the Beavers. Because <laughs> I think <laughs> the Beavers are going to beat UCLA. Now, whether Ted thinks that or not, I know he can't necessarily say who he would prefer. But, Ted, as uh, we, we always do, we appreciate your perspective. But I think anything, is it's all wide open in this Pac-12 tournament. That may be a cliche, but it feels like that more than ever this year. Well, hey, Mike and John, nice to be with you. First of all, I, it's such a time warp. My daughter was born, uh, the and this, I think the first or second year, I forget, of her life, my wife and I were sharing because uh, she went back to work, we're sharing responsibilities. So I had my daughter in the afternoons, and I prop her in front, uh, in, a, in a bouncy chair in front of the TV, put on MTV, and Total Eclipse of the Heart was like this crushing video. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was probably 1985, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. and it just, it was just all, I mean, MTV was playing it every 30 minutes. It was one of the first hot videos. So that's a <laughs> massive flashback for me. Um, Wow. You know, I'll be honest, Mike and John, I differ. I don't I don't think the tournament's wide open this year. I really don't. Hmm. I think the top three teams that okay. pulled away uh, have separated. I, and UCLA, right now, the way they're playing, I don't put them in. Obviously, they're not in the top three, um, you know, with the injuries and right. et cetera. So, I, 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 you know, I'd be – I think your game is absolutely – to me, that's almost a toss-up game, your mm-hmm. game with UCLA. Mm-hmm. But I think it would be, to me, it would register as a major upset if somebody outside the top three wasn't winning the championship Saturday night. I got you. And I, and I, I concur in that sense. When I say wide open, what I, I guess what I mean, Ted, not necessarily for the winner. I mean, it looks like Dana Altman has Oregon on track to be that team, in my opinion, based on what I just saw. But on the other hand, the league, even though there may have been some separation of late, do, do you put it past, I mean, if Arizona State somehow manages to beat Washington State, aren't they funky enough, wild enough, could get hot enough to give trouble to Oregon in a game that would follow? To give trouble, yeah, Mike. I, I, Arizona State is obviously the, they're the, the wildest card mm-hmm. in our league this year, um, and they are the any given night team. Yeah, the, and Now, Remy didn't play very well this past weekend. The mountain trip killed Arizona State. Uh, I'm not sure... I don't know about there. There's two teams I'm, I'm very anxious to watch to see if they have, you know, internally got everything in place in Vegas one day. As you and the other Stanford, which no one's talking about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Stanford flies under the radar so much here, but they clearly have things have not been right internally with their team this year, and uh, and as a result, they've sort of faded. No, not sort of. They really have faded out of 
out of NCAA, or at least out of serious contention. But anyway, ASU can can win on any given night. I don't see how they could do it four nights in a row. Right. But if, I agree with you. But they give Oregon trouble. Oregon is playing. Do you agree? They're the, right now, would you pick them as the favorite just based on how they closed the season and what they've been doing of late, how healthy they are and how well they're playing? Absolutely, Mike. And I'm, you know, look, we we all should know by now, and yet we all, you know, we're holding out. Look, I was one of them. I I signed on to Bill Walton's train. I think I've talked to you about yeah. this, but I thought USC was the best team. I thought that in December. I thought that in January, and I thought that probably up until about three weeks ago. But there's no question the way the Ducks have ended um, that, and and they have the pieces in place, and they've got the Hall of Fame coach and all that. So I mean, yeah, they're clearly. Yet even with that, they you know the, the conference regular season was decided by percentage points. It wasn't mm-hmm. a decisive win. So, um, you know, I, I, again, USC to me is the team that if they, you know, they have to play three games just like you guys do. But uh, you know, for three nights, if they're on, yeah, they they can they can do it. And and the team that I'm thinking that everybody's going to sleep on is Colorado. And for the first time, this group of Colorado players finished strong. And you remember last year in Vegas, the last night, they, you guys had the crazy game in the daytime. And then at night, Colorado goes, I get pounded by Washington State. It was terrible. And the way they ended the year was terrible. Yeah. Um, the polar opposite this year. They're fit, McKinley Wright's playing his best basketball of the year the last couple of weeks. Now, the challenge for them is they haven't done it in the postseason. This group of players... Colorado has not done it in the postseason, so they're going to have a. To me, they have a little, a little prove it in my mind. But they're capable, and that's a team that's capable of winning in Vegas, and that's a team that I think is capable of winning a little bit in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Ted, do you think that Andy Enfield and USC did enough for him to garner the Coach of the Year award? When that's hard to do when you're not the league winning coach, it's just hard to do. You got to be extra special, and I'd. They, I agree with you. They were great, especially in December and January, but I don't know that I saw enough that he would be able to overtake the champion. Yeah, and again, I mean, what's your champion? Your champion's 14-4 and four versus 15-5. and five. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you're, again, we're, we're talking about percentage points here. Um, I, you know, I Coach of the Year is one of those things, thankfully I don't vote on it because I don't understand the award. What is it? You know, if you had asked me three weeks ago, my vote for coach of the year would have been Jared Hess. Mm-hmm. Without question, what, what he what he endured, what Stanford endured this year, and Mark Fox at Cal went through the same thing. Uh, it was the restrictions that that everybody dealt with to some degree, but by far the most severe were the ones that the, the Bay Area teams had to live through. Uh, and now Stanford cratered here at the end of the year. That's sad. Uh, uh, but like I'd say, so three weeks ago I would have said Jared Hess. Three weeks ago, I would not have even thought about Wayne Tinkle the way the Beavers ended. Mm-hmm. You know, for the team that was picked 12th to finish 10 and 10, that's, that's pretty darn good. So you could make a case for Wayne. So I, my my answer really is, what is Coach of the Year to you? Is it the coach of the championship team or the, the you know one of the two best teams, or is it the guy that that led a team that overachieved? You know, that's I, I don't I'm not really I don't have a strong stance as where I'm going on that award. I, I have a strong stance on on player of the year, but not on coach of the year. Okay, well, let's get to that then. Evan Mobley wins it from USC. Were they were they right? Yeah, you know, that's another one. I mean, I, I would have said on 100% yes, Mike, up until about two weeks ago. 
and uh, the way the two other guys finished again, the way Duarte finished and the way McKinley Wright finished would give me pause. And Evan, and Evan Mobley didn't finish. You know, he finished, but mm-hmm. not quite with the em- emphasis that I would have thought. Um, so and part of that clearly is what teams have done against him. We, we all know that. But, uh, but you can't, I can't argue with it, but I would have said as, uh, what to me would have been a landslide three weeks ago becomes much closer because of Duarte and Wright. Yeah. Yeah, and then he sweeps all three, freshman, player, and defensive player of the year. Freshman, you can understand. Well, defense, defensive player, there's no question. I mean, defensive player is just yeah. not even a question to me. That's a landslide. Freshman of the year is pretty, pretty probably pretty close to that, although I'll tell you the guy that, to me, has gone under the radar in our league this year is Tubelas at Arizona. Um, you know, he, can't, he can't obviously impact the game shot-blocking the way Mobley does, which is why, to me, Mobley's the decisive winner. But you look at his other numbers; they're not too far away from Mobley. Yeah, and uh, that's a guy that, to me, he just Arizona because of the the cloud over them had two guys to me that completely flew under the radar this year: two Bellis and Akinjo. Mm-hmm. And I think Akinjo is a terrific player, and I was glad he got first team. Yeah. He deserved that, in my view. Yeah, Ted Robinson, our guest here on the Joe Beaver Show Pac-12 tournament coming up. Now, nevermore. There are times when cliches come to life, and I think. This is a time. You talk about Stanford and Cal and what they went through and all the other teams. That's why I think, Ted, that right now the team that is playing the best will win a tournament or should win a tournament. You want your team to be playing best now than any other time of the year, and you've got Oregon in that situation, and and as you mentioned, Colorado. But what about our game, UCLA and Oregon State? They're kind of a, they've kind of faded from a, a team that was on the rise, and yeah, they'll be one of the four. To now, a, a completely different situation. Yeah, are they playing to get to make sure they get into yeah. the NCAA tournament in UCLA? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think UCLA will get in. You know, they're they've lost a lot of the footing they had a few weeks ago in terms of where they're going to land. You know, seating, etc. Uh, but no, I think your game. I said this. I think your game is pretty close. To, I would call it pretty close to a toss-up because of the way. Things finished the way the Beavs finished well, the way the Bruins, you know, the, I mean, they didn't get blown out of games, but they stumbled a little bit. Um, I would say just a, couple, just a couple of quick things. UCLA, I was doing a bunch of homework last night because, uh, you know, I'll have um, the winner of your game uh, against Oregon on Friday night will be the game that Bill Walton and I do for Pac-12 Network. Uh, UCLA won a lot of close games this year, early in the year. And they lost a couple down the stretch, and it was the first time. So is that, is that just a balancing thing, or is that a sign? UCLA made a ton of free throws in clutch situations in the game's early season, December, January. You know, USC, they just completely they lost the game because they missed two, free, two mm-hmm. front ends mm-hmm. in the final 45 seconds. Make one of those free throws, and they win the game. You know, I mean, there's obviously other things that happen, but it really boils down to the, the plays they made to win a bunch of games when they ran that unbeaten streak to start the season, suddenly here at the end they didn't make. Um, they are a team without size, as we know, and Jalen Hill's loss to me is huge because he is a terrific defender. Uh, they you know, now become very reliant on Cody Riley inside. You guys have big bodies. Yes. You know, it's not, it's not dominant. You don't have Evan Mobley. Nobody's kidding anybody here. But you have size and and uh, I'm going to date myself here, but I'm going to go back to my uh, my college time when a guy named Digger Phelps turned Notre Dame into a national basketball power for probably a decade. And Digger pioneered this deal of having 
three just you know three big body players, none of whom may be standouts, but between the three, he used to call it fifteen fouls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And Digger Digger was very clever about that, and he used when he'd go up against a dominant big player, he used the fifteen fouls. Well, to me, when I watch the Beavs this year, I see a little bit of that. In that you've got three big bodies in there. And hey, you know, we Silva's had some terrific games. Three Andela's had some moments, um, you know. But but at very at the very least, you you've got that scenario. And to me, combine that with Alatiche's explosive. I mean, we we know how you you know better than anybody how you know, explosive he is on the on the boards, especially the offensive boards. That to me is where you have an edge on UCLA. Yeah. So if UCLA doesn't rebound, if the UCLA doesn't put bodies on your guys. Uh, you know that's that could be troublesome. They are UCLA's been a very good offensive team this year. It's it's the polar opposite of Nick Cronin, and they've stumbled on defense. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a little bit. Uh, there are other teams in the league like that, but that's kind of to me. I've seen UCLA a bunch, and that including your game, in your game at Pauley. Um, that to me has been interesting to watch. Is that they've actually been better offensively, even with Chris Smith's loss, but they haven't been as good defensively. So I, I, um, I, I just said I just think. The ability of your big players, the, the Beavers' big players, to, to function on um, what's today's Tuesday, Thursday. Yes. <laughs> will will yeah. if 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 they can do that, if they can function, this could that could make that a heck of a game. Yeah, I'm glad you look at it that way, Ted. I wish you were on the call on it, but you and Bill will work Utah, Washington tomorrow, then Stanford and Cal. On Bill, when you talk about Digger's theory, I remember watching the memorable game when the 88-game win streak came to an end. I don't know where you were exactly on that day, but uh, UCLA led 70-59 to and ended up losing 71-70, to if I'm remembering correctly, unless I'm adding 10 points to it. But I believe it was that. Were you there? Where, where, where were you on that day? Well, Mike, your, your memory's very good. That's exactly right. Those the exact scores. Notre Dame scored the last 12 points. It was January 19th, 1974, and as I call it the day that I and probably 500 of my peers made our final decision about which college we would attend. <laughs> um, I was a high school senior and, and had been accepted to several schools and you know, had to make that choice, and that day helped cement my choice to Notre Dame, and I have told Bill Walton this multiple times, to which he always responds, it was the worst day of my life. <laughs> and... Uh, and he's not, and, and guys, he's not kidding. No, I know. <laughs> that's, how much Bill, that's how much Bill hates losing. But the fascinating part, and I, this gets off on a rail, and I don't mean to do this, but I'll just tell you, it's one of the most incredible facets of that day. That to, you know, We're all of age. That we understand this, but anybody 40 years of age and younger cannot fathom this happened. You know how many timeouts UCLA called? When Notre Dame scored the last 12 points of that game? I would say zero. Zero. Yeah. Zero. John Wooden, hate, John Wooden refused timeouts. So Notre Dame's going on this incredible run. The, the building in South Bend is going berserk, and John Wooden sat there on the bench. So yeah. I've done my, I prepared. I prepared my team for these moments. I've prepared you, and I've talked to Bill a lot about this. Never called timeout. That's unthinkable today, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, and, you know, we'll close, Ted. We always appreciate your time and look forward to watching and listening to you this week. I'll be up here calling games remotely. You do get to be in Vegas, correct? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, Mike, and by the way, I'll tell you, I had to, I drove over. Uh, I was driving to do a, 
uh, West Coast Conference game just as a favor last week, and I listened to your call of your game at Stanford on uh, on Sirius XM, and you did a marvelous job because I knew you were calling from home. Yeah, and uh, you know that is. I mean, we've I've done a few games this year. I did your game, uh, your win in uh, Eugene. I called from the studio mm-hmm. here in San Francisco, a last minute thing that was just happened and i know how challenging it is on tv it's even more so on radio so you did a great job with that uh yes we will be in vegas we will be separated again distanced from the teams and everybody and there's an i just can tell you every fan should understand there are still intense protocols in place to ensure that no team falls prey here because Mm -hmm. no one wants to jeopardize a team that's going to go to the ncaa so uh, everything is being done bubbleish safety testing, all that sort of stuff. Ted, do you have any feel for the NIT and whether any Pac-12 teams could possibly be in play for that? You know, I, I don't, Mike. I asked Mike Montgomery that question a couple of weeks ago, and Mike is no, Mike was on the NIT committee, but his term is up. So uh, he didn't even know. Mm-hmm. And I, all I, uh, what I, the only things I think I'm sure you know as well, it's only 16 teams this year, and that automatic – um, conference champion that loses in the right. uh, conference tournament that was an automatic bid to the NIT. That's not in place either this year. I know that. So, yeah. okay. As far as Pac, as far as Pac-12 teams, yeah, I'm sure that's what you're getting at. I have no idea. Okay. I, hmm. I honestly haven't even asked that question. And the last thing is because we brought up Bill in the 88 game streak, and you talked to him about the lost weekend. Also, that you know later that year in the Beaver State, he'll talk about that being the worst weekend of his life as well. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, he experienced he experienced all four of his losses in college that that season i believe the 73 74 season or you know half of them anyway i mean they, losing to notre dame that year losing the two here and then in the champion uh, the semifinals so i think he lost four yeah. games that year that's unbelievable the only losses in his collegiate career but working with him ted as you do it's interesting to listen to the different relationships on air and the thing i really enjoy about you guys i mean he he has a shtick with pash where he he, he's mocking him. Well, there you go, uh, you know, with your, your daily wager. And he's always kind of mocking Dave. Dave plays along with it. With Roxy, it seems fairly straightforward. But it, it, it strikes me, you guys don't, you don't engage in that kind of, ah, oh, Ted, you're only saying that because you, et cetera, et cetera. There's a level of respect, it seems, going in. You guys get along well, it sounds like. Well, thank you for saying that, Mike. Yeah, we, I mean, we get along well. Uh, I, I mean, I, I worked with Bill some years back uh, on some CBS. This is, I'm going way back into the 90s now. We did some CBS games together, and, uh, and then you know, I saw him at NBC Olympics sort of things, but um, didn't start working again until the Pac-12 Network started. And there's never been a problem from day one. He's been fabulous with me. We go to dinner after games and talk and never talk basketball. It's always about life um and he's a wonderful guy is just bill has bill bill what i what i say is to this to people bill's very smart he's scary smart so he knows exactly what he's saying he knows exactly what he's doing on the air and uh and in my i can't speak to how dave works with them yeah uh, uh i mean i look i listen to the games just like you do so i hear the same things you hear i i never really asked dave directly how he deals with it. I do know this. We've talked in our little world that, you know, when we do games, uh, non-conference games or the, you know, occasional conference game, that's one side of blowout. 
and Bill's going to go off in Walton's world and do all this. Great, go for it. But when the game matters, right. we do the game. Right. And that really comes into play, quite honestly, it comes into play this week on Friday night. Every year, this will be, I think, the ninth year we've done the one versus four semifinal. And those have been some almost always are terrific games, really competitive, close games. Uh, and Bill does the game. When, not, when we have that, he does the game. Yeah. And, and I think when he does the game, he has his own view. I mean, he's unique, but it's, it's basketball. And I, I really believe we found a pretty good blend on Pac-12 of letting Bill be Bill. But when the game warrants it, you know, with a minute to go in a one-point game, I don't care about sustainability. We talk about the basketball game. <laughs> That's a great, well put, Ted. Thank you, as always, yeah. for your time. I wish we were, would see each other down there in Vegas. I hope the day uh, comes back where we will. Are you going to do any Pac-12 baseball this spring? Uh, not, you know, I'm not, I don't think so, Mike. I'm okay. not sure where our, our network's coverage of baseball is going to okay. land, but uh I, I doubt it. So what my real sincere hope is that I see you in September for a football game. Thanks a lot, Ted, for the time. Have a great run in Vegas. Uh, we'll be watching and listening. Thanks for joining us on the show, as always. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, John. You guys be good. Thanks, Thank Ted. you. Ted Robinson, our guest, will break. Mark Barnard, Oregon State volleyball coach, will be joining us next, coming off a sweep of Cal this past weekend. Ted is great, and I like his story about uh, he knew the date uh, – I'd love to get if any of you took have taken us up on our recommendation to watch the Ali Frazier special and would still love to hear from any of you remembering where you were on the day of the fight and what you did and how you took it in and how you watched it. And if you could break down Rudy Martsky style, Burt Lancaster as a boxing commentator, <laughs> would love to get your thoughts on any of that. But Ted chose Notre Dame because of the comeback. By do you? Re- I remember watching that game, John. You were a little too young, probably. You're yeah, nine. I was nine. I don't remember. But I watched. I watched it and couldn't believe it. Seventy to fifty-nine, UCLA. You know, no shot clock then. Yeah, I mean, in theory, John could have run the thing out. And Notre Dame, a twelve-nothing run to end the game. And how did they let that happen? Well, no timeouts. You fellows figure it out on your own. Did he ever go on record as saying I should have called timeout? I don't think so. No. But think about that year for Bill, because and, later that year, after yeah. losing that, they get ambushed on the Oregon Trail yeah. and then lose in the semifinals of the tournament. He lost four games that year. And no and, games And no other, other game in his other uh, two years. That's amazing. 88 and four, I believe he went. We, <laughs> and he said we should have won the championship that year, too, but we lost our way. <laughs> <laughs> and for the record, the yeah. Beaver loss on the ambush on the Oregon Trail was first. It was, and that snapped a 50-game Pac-8 winning streak. So they had an 88 and a 50 broken that year, the 74. Mark Barnard next. Thanks for joining us on 1240 Joe Radio. Unified Insurance Group is your local independent insurance agency in Corvallis. They represent numerous insurance companies and specialize in auto, home, and business insurance. See Mike Eaves, Taylor Starr, and Tom Worth. They'll help find an insurance plan that works best for you. So if you're looking for auto, home, or business insurance, see the Unified Insurance Group. 320 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. They're your hometown team, always putting you first. 
If you're ready to make the great escape, do it with the number one brand on the water. Yamaha Wave Runners are the most premium personal watercraft on the market with industry-first features and exciting new products like the new 2021 VX Series with audio packages, the much-anticipated Superjet, and the new race-ready GP Series. This is Wave Runner Country. Get your new Wave Runner from Power Motorsports during the spring watercraft sale and open house online at powermotorsports.com. If your RV or trailer is sitting in storage or out in the rain this winter, let Guarantee pay you cash for your rig. Cash for Campers means no more storage and no more worries. My name is Bo and I live in Cottage Grove. Cash for Campers put over $10,000 in my pocket. We were waiting until summer to sell our trailer, but Guarantee gave us cash right now. Guarantee will give you $500 if we can't beat any Oregon dealer's written offer on your late model RV in good condition. My name is Jessica and I live in Springfield. Thanks to Guarantee, we no longer have a monthly storage bill and we have more than enough money to remodel our kitchen. Trailers, fifth wheels, toy haulers, motorhomes, they all qualify for Cash for Campers. I'm Paul. Uh, We've been stuck at home for about nine months now. Guarantee made it really easy for us. No hassles. They came and picked up our fifth wheel at our house and delivered our check. Text RV for me to 55678 for special offers or visit Guarantee.com. That's RV, the number four, me to 55678. Guarantee RV is here to help you put cash in your pocket. Did you know that the Natty Dresser is the area's premier suit and tuxedo provider? We have a nice selection of suits in stock from Hart Schaffner Marks and Baroni Couture. We are also the area's expert tuxedo and suit rental shop. We can fit guys from 5T to size 60 long. Weddings, proms, and business interviews. We are here for all the important moments of your life. The Natty Dresser, purveyors of quality menswear, open Monday through Saturday at our new location on the corner of 2nd and Broad Alban in the heart of historic downtown Albany. Angry Beaver Grill is open for covered and heated outdoor dining as well as dinner-to-go orders Tuesday through Sunday. Get the favorites including Angry Beaver's Reuben and French Dip Sandwiches, Burgers, Tacos, and the Gables Recipe Chicken Bisque Soup and Garlic Croutons. Be sure to try Angry Beaver's Choice Flat Iron Steak or Salmon Dinner, available daily. Angry Beaver Grill open Tuesday through Sunday from 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. for covered and heated outdoor dining in the back of the restaurant and for carryout on 4th Street in downtown Corvallis. Angry Beaver, thank you for your support. Hey, Beaver fans. Over the past several months, we all have come together to help each other in this COVID struggle. But would you know how to help a family member or a coworker in the time of an emergency? Hi, I'm Todd Washington, owner of CPR Works, where we teach people the skills to help someone in the time of an emergency. I am currently holding both virtual and in-person classes for CPR and first aid. For more information or to schedule a class, contact me at CPR-Works.com. Go Beavs! Hi, this is Dave from Tom Water. WSU Press, yep, that's the Cougs, has just published my latest book, Lewis and Clark Reframed. In Lewis and Clark Reframed, we will examine how the famous American expedition was influenced by the British explorers, James Cook, George Vancouver, and Alexander Mackenzie, all of whom preceded Lewis and Clark to the Pacific Northwest. Order Lewis and Clark Reframed from WSU Press Amazon.com or your favorite bookstore. Yes. The Joe Beaver Show continues. Yes, yes, it is. You know, thanks to 
Jack Bulliard and Ted Robinson joining us. Great guests. Yeah, they really have, and we continue in that vein with Oregon State Volleyball head coach Mark Barnard, the team coming off a sweep of Cal at Haas Pavilion over the weekend and coming home this weekend for two games against Washington State. And we're joined by Coach Barnard to talk a little about what happened in Berkeley, how the season's been progressing we appreciate, Coach, you joining us. Congratulations on a sweep on the road. Not easy to do. You did it. Tell us just a little bit about not only this past weekend, but how things have been going since the, the start-up at this time of year, as unusual as that all is of your season and how things are going so far. Well, th- well thanks for having me on. You I bet. It's the first time I've said anything. I've been on in a couple of years, it feels like. But, it does feel um, that way. Yeah. yeah. It's been so long. Yeah, and. Certainly, you know, starting and doing this in the winter is a bizarre feeling because normally at this stage of the year, you know, we're in the middle of winter practice. We're doing four hours a week and, you know, it's, it's a lot lighter. But, you know, now we're in the, the full swing of the travel and week in and week out, which is, it's just different. It's a different feel because, you know, for 16 years or 15 seasons before, it's always been in the fall. So, but, you know, I it's the fact that we were able to, Put together a you know a 22 match schedule for the Pac-12 has been great. Not that we'll get all 22, but um, you know the, the opportunity for those freshmen, especially to get to play in effect, you know a free season has just been um, you know outstanding for us for sure. Coach, tell us a little bit about what what you were able to do in the in this bizarre year, as you use that word, and it's the right one. Mm-hmm. In terms of your student athletes' work and conditioning, when they were in a sense on their own, did you, did you admire what they did, what they were able to find to do to try to stay as ready as possible? Yeah, they did a good job, and it was you. You probably remember the early days of you know you really couldn't go out of your house. Anything you could do in your house was uh, considered a, a kind of a win. Mm-hmm. So they did a very good job. We were lucky; we got um, volleyball back in the fall. Uh, so we had them here during that fall season. We couldn't do a whole lot with them, and you know the corona, the COVID rules were changing all the time as to how many people we could have in the gym and whatnot. So we got to work with them a little bit um, during that that fall period, and we were lucky not to have you know have one or two COVID cases. So we really got a good chunk of time working with them. Um, but yeah, they got pretty resourceful, that's for sure. And you know, you probably don't see how that pays off. Uh, initially, but it may over time where they, you know, understand that they can do a lot by themselves to uh, to keep in shape or to keep their, their playing ability without having to rely on the coaches. Coach, to get the sweep and improve to five and seven with two more matches coming up at home this weekend. I mean, where are you in terms of your own sense of expectation? You're, you're grateful, I know, to have the 22 match schedule, but where do you feel the team is in terms of? its trajectory going forward now coming off this sweep? Well, I, I think, you know, I like how I, I kind of look at the light at the end of our tunnel and I like, you know, where it is. Because at one stage on Sunday, I remember distinctly looking back, uh, Grace Massey, our libero, senior libero, was serving, and the other five people on the court were freshmen. Hmm. And so I thought to myself at that stage, hey, this is, you know, this gives us a pretty bright future. It'll mean that we may have some rough times in there as well, but the fact that we're able to do it with a core of this, this group being freshmen is you know, such an important thing for the longevity 
and the you know the year in and year out, you know, I guess consistency of the program. I like what we've got. Plus, they're playing well as freshmen. And you know, Michael Vernon was freshman of the week a few weeks ago. Um, Anastasia Svetnik is going to be named freshman of the week uh, this week in the next hour or so. So you know, they've they've really done some uh, you know very good work against quality teams. So I think they're you know. I know I had to say the future looks bright, but actually it looks pretty reasonable right now. Absolutely. And you, another freshman, and I've yet to have occasion to pronounce her name. I'll have you do that because you did so well with the others a moment ago. But your freshman, Izzy, who posted a game-high 38 assists in the last match against Cal. Tell us, first of all, how do you say her last name and how she's been playing? Shulshevsky is okay. the way you say her Thank last you. name. Thank you. Um, it's almost like Mike... Shashevsky, you know, yes. similar. Yes. So it's like that. But um, no, I think she goes by Izzy, and that works for everyone. <laughs> it's a lot easier. But she's no, she's been a you know a, a, a very interesting recruit for us in that she wasn't coming to Oregon State um, at the last minute. The coach from where she was going was uh, left or was removed. I'm not sure what happened, but she became available, and so we picked her up at the last minute. And she's been a, a, a revelation, and she. When people get to finally see her play, you know, if they haven't already seen her on live stream or TV, she's a, you know, she's a very good athlete. She's light and fast, and she's just, I don't know, she's like an energizer bunny. Hmm. It's kind of like that, just goes flat out and does not stop. And she really adds a lot to the team that you don't necessarily see with her playing, although that's good, but definitely with her energy levels. Coach, and she's five seven. Oh wow. So, you know, she's got no business being in the Pac-12, but she can handle herself on the net. Good. So you'll be yeah. you'll be surprised. Is this a? I'm assuming, like every other winter sport, this you get a COVID season. So, do Goings and Massey have they talked to you about perhaps coming back next year? They both said they will come back ah. next year. Oh, that's great! Yeah. It is. So it's great news. You know, I would have loved Haley Bennett to stay on. Um, she also would have been back, but she's playing uh, her pro career now in France. So which is great for her, of course. So, um, but, yeah, the, the other two will be back. So it's going to give us uh, some uh, you know, calm heads in, in difficult situations, I hope. Coach, you have a – and you talk about when the fans, when we all can, when the fans can see these young players and your veteran players you're talking about. How new is your, your new donor club off the bench? It, it, did you launch that during – uh, th- this pandemic era, and that's a challenging thing to do. If so, but tell us a little bit about where that, how that's going, what its uh, mission is, and and all of these folks, I'm sure, are excited to get to see this team in action at some point. Well, I hope so. You know, it was actually a pre-pandemic thing. It was a long story, but we were in Nebraska playing at Nebraska, and I was speaking to the Nebraska coach after, and I said, you know, they had a full house there. And I said, how many season ticket holders do you have? And he said, 7,000. Oh, my gosh. And I said, oh, well, because volleyball there is behind football is probably the second biggest hmm. sport at Nebraska, I think, or close to. But I said, so we, and we had, I went, we came back to Oregon, we had seven. Seven? seven season ticket Okay. Seven, wow. as in, yeah. yeah. As in they had a thousand times more mm-hmm. than what we had. Mm-hmm. And I said, we've, we've got to, We've got to do more with this. And so the off-the-bench idea came up then. We, you know, we decided to name it off-the-bench. We wanted something like, so, you know, basketball had the rebounders. and so We wanted something that had a bit of a you know, volleyball flavour to it. And we've just been slowly trying to build it then. And it's, I think 
gaining a little more momentum right now simply because the fans can't be there and it gives them a little bit of a way of connecting. But it's really very much in its infancy that uh, it's something I want to build. Like I said, that 7,000 compared to 7 really kind of rocked my boat. Wow. That's interesting, I Coach. I mean, and so, how? but you asked how many. Is it just simply based in Lincoln, what you saw, just a rabid love for the sport, or which comes first? I mean, did, did that program do some things to encourage and foster much more interest in the sport in the community, or in a sense, has it always been there and already there? Well, it has been there, but they, they started to win a lot more. And that certainly uh, entertained people. And it's very much as, you know, it's, it's kind of the biggest show in town. And, you know, they've, they've been very successful. And, uh, you know, obviously they market the program very well and encourage it. So I think it's been a combination of a lot of things. But, but in the end, they've been very successful. And I think that, you know, that people like to see success. <laughs> it's really that simple, and so yeah. uh, they were able to, to to really build their program. But it wasn't as though it was just something magically happened. The Brass Group been good for a while. They had good support across the board, not mm-hmm. just in volleyball. But yeah. Yeah. volleyball certainly started, as far as Nebraska sports are concerned, probably their highest performing, I guess, in terms of national championships and so on. Mm-hmm. So I think it just it you know, grew in popularity. Plus, it's a, you know, it's a great entertaining game to watch. Well, and to go from not many fans at all to 7,000, how did your players respond, if you can recall? And when you do go to big venues and have uh, crowds like that, uh, do the kids you know, up their level of game? They do, for sure. There's no doubt because it's, you know, it's, a, um, a, it's a loud, vibrant atmosphere. And so for them, it's, you know, everyone loves playing in football. I assume everyone loves playing in front of a crowd. And um, there's no doubt that that support kind of generated a lot higher level of play for us, for sure. And so, you know, and we do okay with crowds here. I don't know, on our bigger matches, we might get 3,000 or so. But, you know, we get a reasonable number. We just need, I guess, the repeat customers and that, that kind of, you know, like you said, that off the bench club, that kind of support. We need to increase in that area. Mark, what's it been like to play matches with no fans? Have you been in any area in any context where there have been a few parents? Is there any atmosphere or hope that maybe before this year's out, a few folks might get to come into Gill from families or parents? I mean, how how's it been playing with no fans, and is there any hope that there might be some at some point in some venues? Well, we haven't had any where any of the venues we've been to and played at that are or anyone that's allowed fans. Um, we've either already played them or they've come here. So where they haven't, so we've never had anywhere where there's been any at all. Like Utah's allowed fans, but they're coming here. Okay. Arizona State's allowed fans, but they came here. Mm-hmm. So um, we haven't experienced that at all from anywhere. And yeah, it was hard at first. There's no doubt about you know the, the those cardboard cutouts aren't that animated <laughs> at times. So you know, <laughs> no matter you how well you're, somebody, no matter how well you're playing, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can be playing your absolute best, and the cutouts just—they're not responding to it properly. <laughs> no, they're not. They're very two-dimensional. The athletic viewing, that's for sure. So, but, but but I think also the other thing is that the players have got used to a little bit the fact that you know that's just the way it is, and that's you know that's like. Do I hold any hope? Absolutely none whatsoever. Uh-huh. Oh, of course, I'd love for some fans to be admitted, but I need to get back on planet reality here it's not going to happen 
by the end of our season, I should say, which is only really in another month. Mm. So what, what does I your, can't, you know, can't see it. Mark Barnard joining us for just a few more minutes. What does the tournament look like for the NCAA, for the NCAA tournament? How many teams? Is it a single venue? I'm sorry that I don't know that. I'm simply asking you what are postseason plans? Yeah. No, well, the tournament is reduced by 25%, so from 64 down to 48 teams. Uh, a central venue, um, Omaha, Nebraska, I think it is, that'll impact uh, the, you know, the Big Ten, the Pac-12 pretty dramatically. Yeah, I would imagine. And is Omaha a place, I mean, we know it, you just told us about Lincoln, and we know about Omaha for college baseball and its championship. But do they move as Omaha the perfect place to play it, even though fans, I assume, won't be a factor in it? Is that just the right spot, in your view, to, to have this year's one-venue tournament? Well, yes and no. You know, you, you, If they do allow some proportion, I think they're going to allow a certain number of fans. It's going to be obviously heavily biased um, by Nebraska fans, I would think, uh, living in that area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there seems to be a bit of a love affair with holding everything in the Midwest. You know, the, a lot of the Final Four seem to be held in the Midwest. You know, they're in Kansas, they're in Columbus. So, you know, it's just, I guess, the way it is. And, I, you know, I think Omaha is probably as good a venue as, as any. They've hosted it before, so they know how to run the championship itself. But, um, you know, you've got to also find the, the hotels and so on to be able to spread the teams out a little bit. So, uh, I just, and, you know, in, in, the, in the end, it comes down to, too, also the, the dollar thing. How's... You know, how's it going to function financially? Can they make, you know, can the NCAA make sure they don't lose too much money on it? So coach, I guess you got to look at that, that factor as well. Yeah. Hey, Coach, final thing, and that is as the rest of the season plays out, you're in a different kind of calendar and have to kind of adjust what you normally would be doing. I assume that's true in recruiting as well. So as you and your staff and all of your colleagues across the country, you know, try to figure this all out, what, you know, is that do you have a sound plan in place? Or are you kind of making? I hate to say making it up as you go, but it's different the recruiting cycle and all of that. So how are all of those things going this time of year when normally you, as you said earlier, would be doing and functioning differently than you are now playing matches? Oh, the recruiting thing is is incredibly difficult now. You know, we're looking basically only at film all the time. So we may see them play in a tournament, like there might be a live stream coming from the tournament or, or they're sending a video. But that's all we are seeing at the moment. We're not getting to really evaluate them live, which we won't until June. So I think it's kind of slowed everything down because we're, we're a little nervous to say, OK, we think you're the right person. And I think the student-athletes are a little nervous mm-hmm. saying, well, we haven't visited, we haven't met the coaches, we haven't met players and so there's this kind of little bit of a standoff I guess in some ways uh, and hey then the next June 15 rolls around pretty soon for the 2023 class we haven't even seen them yeah yeah so I just, that, that's been a real difficulty and yeah it's hard for us I can't imagine how difficult it is for the you know your, your juniors and your seniors in high school right now does that exp- does that provoke you and your staff to, to look uh, more internationally, I mean, you have a cosmopolitan roster as it is, but I mean, are there situations where there are some players playing internationally that you can see and evaluate, visit even? I mean, I'm not sure about that, but does it change your approach in recruiting the circumstances you're in? 
Well, we certainly have looked a little more internationally in the, in the last year, um, but it's still the same issue. We're still really trying to judge them based on watching video. Right. And, you know, you can, you can get a bit of an idea for sure, but there's so many other aspects that come into the recruiting process. The playing ability is obviously the one that stands out, but what's their character like? Um, what are they like under pressure? A lot of things that you can't mm-hmm. see necessarily from a video. It's just that little extra bit to make sure you're getting the right person. That's the tough thing. Yeah, but you're all in the same boat, correct? I mean, there's nobody who has an advantage in that area, per se. No, there isn't. Um, the NCAA sent out a, a questionnaire through the uh, our admin about would it be okay if we opened up some areas of the country to recruiting and not others based on what they're allowed to do. Um, and that would be an absolute nightmare if they did that. Yes. Because that would allow the Midwest schools to recruit, but not the West Coast, because we're under a stricter COVID protocol. Right. So I would hope that the NCAA would not do that, but no guarantees. No, there aren't. (laughs) We've learned that the last 52 weeks, that's for sure. Coach, (laughs) thank you for your time. Congratulations on the recent sweep, and hope you can go find a way to, to get another one at home this weekend. Yeah, good luck. Thanks for joining us, Coach. That'd be great. All right. Thanks for having me on. Okay. Thank you. Mark Barnard, our guest. We break, wrap up the show for today. M.W. Matera's birthday today. <laughs> Lydia's birthday today. My daughter Lydia. Is it Lydia's? It is Lydia's oh, birthday. Oh, happy birthday, and Lydia. And Carly. You remember Carly. Carly Davis and her birthday, too. They're on the same, same day? Same, very same day, like Lincoln and Charles Darwin. Wow. Born on the same day. And like uh, me and Marley Matlin. Yeah. Oh, good for her. And the, me and, and uh, Reggie Miller. You and Reggie, you and Marley. Marley, I had her in my cab, and she didn't tip me well. I was a little, I let the, you know, there seemed to be a little bit of communication issue there. <laughs> I, I didn't. I've always uh, been in love with Marley No, Matlin. she's great, but her tip was a little shy, a little short. She should have done Picked better. Picked her up downtown. But she couldn't exactly yell downtown. at her. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I tried to communicate. She asked, you know, what do I owe? And I told her, and she, she paid the full fare, but not much more. Mm. That was disappointing. No tipping, pippin' would have done better than that. <laughs> anyway, we break and come back on 1240 Joe Radio. Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. Financial investments are very important, but so are the investments of time, patience, and encouragement our young athletes receive from their coaches, teachers, and mentors. That's why Edward Jones is a proud sponsor of Oregon State and area high school sports. Call me, Tim Ewis, at 541-758-8245 or stop by my office in the Timber Hill Shopping Complex in Corvallis for all of your investment needs. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Go Beeves. Locally owned and operated for over 30 years, Corvallis Floor Covering would like to thank their many friends and customers for your continued support and looks forward to working with you on your next remodeling project. Stop by and see Wendy, Robin, or Brian and check out their large showroom with a wide variety of carpet, vinyl, laminate, tile, wood floorings, and window coverings from all the popular brands. Corvallis Floor Covering is at the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local, shop Corvallis Floor Covering, and go beef. Your local Qdoba Mexican Eats plays an important role in serving our communities and will continue to provide access to freshly prepared food during this challenging time. While dining rooms are temporarily closed, all of your local Qdoba locations in Salem, Corvallis, Eugene, and throughout Oregon are ready to serve you with their same great flavors, making sure to take all safety precautions out of concern for their dedicated workers and valued customers. For quick and easy takeout ordering, call ahead to your locally owned and operated Qdoba Mexican Eats for curbside pickup. You can also use the app or order online 
online at Qdoba.com. If your RV or trailer is sitting in storage or out in the rain this winter, let Guarantee pay you cash for your rig. Cash for Campers means no more storage and no more worries. My name is Bo and I live in Cottage Grove. Cash for Campers put over $10,000 in my pocket. We were waiting until summer to sell our trailer, but Guarantee gave us cash right now. Guarantee will give you $500 if we can't beat any Oregon dealer's written offer on your late model RV in good condition. My name is Jessica and I live in Springfield. Thanks to Guarantee, we no longer have a monthly storage bill and we have more than a enough money to remodel our kitchen trailers fifth wheels toy haulers motorhomes they all qualify for cash for campers i'm paul uh, we've been stuck at home for about nine months now guarantee made it really easy for us no hassles they came and picked up our fifth wheel at our house and delivered our check text rv for me to 55678 for special offers or visit guarantee.com that's rv the number four me to 55678 guarantee rv is here to help you put cash in your pocket Court is back in session, where the judge wears stripes, and both teams are ready for a heated debate. No objections, no filibusters here, only fast-paced, in-your-face basketball. Catch all the action right here on the Beavers Sports Network. The Beavers take on UCLA this Thursday in the quarterfinals of the Pac-12 tournament. Two o'clock airtime right here on 1240 Joe Radio. Who is that masked man? <clears throat> I made a promo for baseball, and it says on 1240 Joe Radio, but that might not be true if, if basketball's still playing. And I like the fact that Ted thinks the Beaver-UCLA game, he used the phrase, almost a toss-up. So yeah. the leaning, certainly UCLA will be favored and are favored. I'm sure I rarely oh. look at sporting lines. Yeah, I wonder what that is. A couple of points, but I bet it's I bet it's a fairly small number, huh. given a lot of things. One of which is UCLA, as Ted pointed out, the I wouldn't say a sense of crisis or panic, but they won a lot of close games early, including the one over the Beavers. But they've lost three in a row where they had leads late and coughed them up in all three. So, you know, if they get a lead of any kind and the Beavers start making a run, you know, do you get those tapes cycling through? Oh, here we go again. You Sometimes know I mean? a team will get into a... A run uh, that they can't stop, a la UCLA and Notre Dame, circa 1974. Got to call timeout. John didn't. That's fascinating. And Twitter went crazy on John, too. (laughs) What a different world we're in. Oh, a much better world was back then. (laughs) Where the only way you could hear about criticism would be if you went to the local barber shop. You read the bay always though. Yeah. The fans jeer you and boo you. The you know, it was interesting. <laughs> Watch the Ali Frazier fight, and we'll be pre I'll be preoccupied with that for a while this being Well, tomorrow the, is when the replay comes on. It'll come back on again. Yeah. The fiftieth anniversary week, fifty years ago yesterday, the fight of the century took place. It's so fun to watch, John, because <laughs> The fans at Madison Square, and whether I doubt whether Steve Tannen's papa was engaged in this, mm-hmm. but the fans were booing Ali at times for the rope a dope, the beginnings of the rope a dope type tactic. Was that when, when he pulled it out? Yeah, this, that's what the analyst said who did the broadcast, the Tessator and uh-huh, Andre uh-huh. Ward, and some writer who, who I'm not familiar with were the panelists kind of introducing the rounds and the segments and coming back with commentary. That was all very well done, too, by the way. But 
I think it was the writer or Tessitore or someone said, you can see the beginnings of what became a more permanent part of Ali's strategy in a fight, the rope-a-dope, letting, letting his opponent just kind of t- yeah. pound away, pound away, <clears throat> just kind of on the ropes, letting... I never letting liked that. It, the, and the fans at Madison Square Garden were booing him at yeah, times. I'm not surprised. And But Ali, all, ever the showman, early in the fight, uh, Frazier lands... I think a left hook of some sort or a jab or something, and, and Ali kind of stuns back. And the crowd, the crowd, you hear, oh. <laughs> and Ali looks into the crowd, just shaking his head like, nah, nah, that didn't, that didn't, I, I didn't feel that. That was nothing. And just, and many times throughout the fight, early when he still had energy and life and that that showmanship going on. Yeah. By the end, both fighters. I mean, it's an unbelievable thing to watch. I, I miss, I miss those times. And it only lasted into the upper 80s, the upper 80s of, of a fight. It didn't have to be a heavyweight fight. I remember, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Leonard and Duran and, mm-hmm. and uh, Sugar Ray and, and uh, Mar- Marvel and Mar- Marvelous mm-hmm. Marvel and Hagler. We would get together for these big fights and get, and in fact, on my 30th birthday, it was, um, uh, it was a big fight that we got together for, and it was uh, Peter McNeely mm-hmm. and uh, um, and Tyson. And you know, we plunked down all this money for the for the closed circuit fight, which you do. But this was nineteen what ninety five, and um, my so called buddies came over, promised my then wife that they would you know give a cut for the for the show, and didn't. And you were stuck with it. I was stuck with it, and it was my birthday, and it was, and it's the fight right. was over in like fifteen seconds. But all oh, the joys of the buildup of a yes. fight. Oh, there's nothing like it. And there was nothing like the buildup, as Tannen told us yesterday, to the March eighth, nineteen seventy one. The storylines. You have Norman Mailer there ringside writing about it. Frank Sinatra taking photographs. Burt Lancaster doing yeah. commentary. I Diana can't wait Ross to see that. Afterwards, weeping on <laughs> Muhammad's knee, and. It, the storylines abound, so I hope you'll get to watch that. That 